0: This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. We are in week six of our series that we have called Faith Supplement. So turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Second Peter chapter one, and we'll read again this portion of Scripture that we're reading. This portion of Scripture, as we have said each week, that this is written by the Apostle Peter, one of the closest um, disciples to Jesus, and he's writing something at the end of his life that he feels is very important uh, for the church to know, so we can look at it and we can also glean information from this same portion of scripture. And as we've mentioned, how many of you ever take vitamins or supplements of any kind? That maybe you uh, realize there's something deficient in your diet or you go to the doctor and the doctor says you're missing this and your, your count of this is low or something, so you need to take these vitamins, um, that those things supplement our diet. And Peter is using that same idea, that same illustration in these, uh, the scripture that we're reading, Uh, That all of these things that we're discussing and reading about, they supplement our faith or they add to our life of faith and they help us live effective, uh, successful lives. So let's read it here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So God has given us what we need for our lives. From Sunday to Sunday, every day that we live, uh, in our families, on our jobs, God gives us what we need specific for this moment in your life. All the decisions that you have to make, all the things that you have to do and accomplish, and everything that you have to be a part of, that the scripture is telling us that our relationship with God, that he gives us everything that pertains to life, not church services, but when we live our lives on a daily basis, that God is there um, with our relationship with Him, and He's giving us what we need. Verse four, by which He has granted to us His His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. And that's where we're talking about in this series with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, what we'll be talking about today, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter is suggesting to us that all of these qualities that we uh, just read through that were just listed, that we have faith in God. We've put our trust in God for our now and for our eternity. And that all these qualities that we need to add to our faith. And if we do these things, that these things would be increasing in our lives, we wouldn't be ineffective or unfruitful. God doesn't want us to be ineffective or live unfruitful lives. And so what Peter is saying is, yes, we have our destination set. Yes, we are in a relationship with God. And then life isn't all about waiting to die. Life isn't about all about waiting to get to heaven or waiting for Jesus to return. That Peter is saying that we want to add these things to our lives. We want them to uh, be growing so that we're not ineffective. From this day to the day we die or when Jesus returns, that all of those days are important. And God wants us to be fruitful with the gifts and talents that he's given us, what he's placed on the inside of us. And then with all of these qualities, and a lot of them are um, additions to our character, when we add these things to our character, we can live effective lives. Because ultimately, that's what we want. We don't want to live a wasted life. We want to live effective in the lives that God has given us. And he says this, "...for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election." For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So, as we read about these qualities and we study them and we look and see what the scripture says about them, we're supposed to be putting them into practice, not just have the information, not just have the knowledge or know what the definition is of all these things, but we, we practice them and we put them into practice in our lives so that we don't fall, so we don't mess up, so we don't get off track. And this is what Peter is saying is very important to us. So all of these things tell us that our conduct matters. How we live our lives makes a difference. So as we look at this list, it's very important for us to understand again that we don't do all of these things. We don't learn about virtue and knowledge and self-control as to get God's approval. See, religion tells us if we do all of these things, then maybe God will love us and maybe we'll get to be in heaven with him when we die and maybe he will accept us. No, the gospel message tells us that because of Jesus, we are loved and we are accepted and God has given us his grace. And so from this place of acceptance and salvation of love and salvation and love, we obey God, that the Holy Spirit comes in our lives at this moment of salvation and then God empowers us by his spirit, to do all of these things on this list. We don't do the list to get accepted. We are only accepted because of Jesus. So God helps us to do all of these things because he wants us to live effective and fruitful lives. So, so far in this series, as we mentioned, we've looked at faith. The first week, we talked about faith. And if you missed any of these messages, they're all available on our website or through our podcast and also our church app. So we just laid a foundation week one. What does it mean to live and walk by faith? Because all of these things supplement our faith. So we talked about that in the first week. And then we talked about virtue, knowledge, self-control. And then last week, we talked about steadfastness or patience. And so all of these things, we can see there's a progression with all of these things. And all of these things are important and they they add to our character. So today, we're going to talk about godliness. What does it mean to be godly? just give you a couple definitions of the word godliness. It means well devout. It means a God word attitude. It means reverence or devotion to and for God. It means sincerity for God. It means conforming to God's desires. Now, when we think about a devout person, sometimes we, uh, depending on our background, we think, well, someone who's really devout And someone who really gives their life to God, you know, they're going to live on a mountain somewhere, and they're going to live in a place separate from the world, and they're probably going to wear a robe of some description, and then they're going to be maybe chanting during the day, and then they may or may not be eating all the time. We're not sure what they're doing. But those are the real devout people. They've separated themselves from the world, and they're not tainted by the world in any way, and they're sort of doing these things of God up on a mountain but we don't see that description anywhere in the scripture that God is calling us to live on mountains. I mean, if you like mountains, it's great, but God is not saying we have to leave our families or we have to leave the world, uh, to be devout that the life that we live right now today, that we can devote our lives to God. We can give ourselves to God and not, not just think it's for somebody else or for it's, for people like me, uh, paid preachers or something, they'll be devout, and I, I, I can't be as devout as somebody else. No, but God is calling us all to godliness. God is calling us all to be devoted to him. And so what does all of that mean? What does it mean to be devoted to God, and how does it play out in our lives? Now, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, and he gives us an idea here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says this, starting in verse six. But if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Jesus of Christ, Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. Now we know that that there is exercise when we engage in exercise, it's good for us, right? Anybody out there? <laughs> it's good when we exercise physically, right? <laughs> We're not sure if you're answering for yourself or your spouse today. I don't know. We know that there's results when we train ourselves physically. We can be stronger, we can have greater stamina, all, all the different things. And so he's comparing that to us training ourselves with godliness. That there's going to be results for that. Let's read it. It says, But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly for all believers. So God wants us to be trained in godliness, that we would train ourselves to be devout to God, that we would be committing our lives to God, that there's benefit in this life and the life to come, that Paul is saying if we train ourselves, that we we train ourselves to have God first, to live a Godward life, Now, sometimes this might seem impractical, and we're not sure how it plays out. And sometimes our devotion is affected by a lot of different things. Now, as I've told you many times before, I am a devoted Toronto sports fan. So any of our, our teams in Toronto, I am devoted to them, devoted to the Leafs. And I know they haven't won a Stanley Cup in my lifetime. I've got it all figured out. But I will die a leaf fan regardless if they win the Stanley cup people and we had a good night last night we defeated evil last night <laughs> good triumphed over evil the blue and white defeated the red white and blue babe red white and blue is kind of evil i'm sorry to tell you my wife is american But I am devoted to all teams Toronto, the Leafs and the Raptors and the Blue Jays and TFC and the Argos. The Argos, I'm not really into CFL, but I'm cheering for the Argos this afternoon. See, but what happens, some of the friends that I have grown up with, long-suffering Leaf fans who are no longer Leaf fans, they say things like this to me, I just want to cheer for a winner. So their devotion has waned. Over the years, they've, they've given up hope. Why? Because something happened that they didn't like, so I'm just not going to cheer for the Leafs anymore. I'm not going to cheer for the Raptors. I'm going to cheer for the because of this. So I'm just going to pick a winner. I just wanted to you know you'll never hear that from me. I will be devoted till the end of time. But see, the sad part is, a lot of Christians are like that. I'm devoted to God if... I give my life to Jesus, but something happens in their life. Circumstances come their way. They're devoted and they love God and they hear the gospel messages and they say, yes, I love God. God is so good. Jesus is amazing. I believe in the resurrection. And then some circumstances come their way, unfavorable circumstances, and then their devotion wanes a little bit, They kind of get confused. They kind of get frustrated and their devotion kind of goes down a peg or two. And then something happens with another Christian, another person that says they follow Jesus and then they treat them poorly. And then their devotion to God wanes a little bit more because some other Christian has treated them poorly or said something to them or or said something about them. Has anyone ever had a situation like that? Listen, I just want to tell you, if my devotion to God was based on how other Christians treated me, I wouldn't be standing here today because there's some mean and nasty Christians in the world and a bunch of them are on YouTube. But we can't decide if we're going to be devoted to God because of circumstances and we can't decide if we're going to be devoted to God based on how other Christians treat us. All of those things are separate from who God is and what God has provided for us and the fact that God calls us to be devoted to him, that we would devote our lives to him, our creator, our savior, the one who loves us, the one who cares about us more than anybody, the one who understands us better than anyone, the one who knows what you're good at, the one who knows what he's blessed you with. We devote our lives to him that we would grow in godliness, that we would grow in devotion, not have our devotion wane or fall away based on circumstances or things that happen to us from other people. See, God is working things out in us. God is growing us up. So when we think about this idea of growing in godliness, why is God growing us in devotion to him? See, we have a moment of salvation. There's a moment in our lives when we say yes to Jesus. Our destination has changed. We know God. We're in a relationship with God. But there's this big theological word called sanctification. And what that just means is that we are set apart for God's purposes. And then for the rest of our lives, we are growing in the sanctification process, that we are set apart for God's purposes. Now, salvation is in a moment when we say yes to Jesus, but sanctification is is the rest of our lives, that all of us can continue to grow in godliness. In other words, none of us are perfect in this area, except maybe my wife, but the rest of us are still growing. And like I say, if you are perfect and you are full grown in all of these areas, this isn't the church for you, because the rest of us are still growing. The rest of us are still learning. We've got some room to grow in our lives. So God is working some things out. He wants us to grow in godliness, but why? Why does God want us to grow in godliness? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We read that we're supposed to be training ourselves or retraining ourselves in godliness. Why would we, why would we be training ourselves in godliness? Because God has prepared something for us, and we are his workmanship. In other words, he's working things out in us and through us. See, God saves you for a reason and for a purpose. Why? Because he has some things for you to do other than just waiting to die. He's got stuff for you to do right now. You are his workmanship. What are the things that he's prepared beforehand to do good works? And the more we grow in godliness, the more our devotion we have to God, the more it's going to show up in our lives with people. See, when we devote our lives to God, we don't go to the mountains. We don't run to the mountains. That devotion to God actually shows up in our devotion to people. I give my life to God, but then God calls me to give my life to people that the people in my life, God has placed them there so that I can use his love and love them and serve them and care about them. That's why we give our devotion to God. See, selfishness tries to get in. In the culture that we live in, it's a very selfish culture that we live in. And and as 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 we move into the Christmas season, if you watch advertising... For Christmas gifts and specifically for children. They, they put these gifts out there and they show them the toys and then they show happy kids. In other words, if you buy this, you're going to be happy. This thing will make you happy. But there's no advertising, if you get this, your parents will be happy. It's all about you and it's all about me. See, and being devout to God is the antithesis of that. It's the opposite of that. God wants us to be devout to him. And then he does something in us. He changes us. He grows us up so that we can serve the people in our lives. And then we come in somewhere down the line. But this is where we have to learn about life. This is how God designed life, that we would live a significant and happy and joyful life when we put him first. And then we serve the other people that God has placed in our lives. And then we will find joy in that, not just getting the next thing. Has anyone ever bought the next thing and found out the next day you're really not that more happy? Has anyone discovered this yet? We wanted it and we desired it and then we bought it and we're like, I'm still not happy. That thing didn't actually make me happy. I don't know. I don't know how much longer we have to keep doing that to try to figure out that things don't make us happy. But living a life devout to God will make us happy. James chapter four. Let's turn over there. So James is commenting on this idea, on this idea of selfishness that we all have to work through. Because once again, our culture trains us to be selfish. In other words, me first. And so let's read what James says about this idea. James chapter four, verse two, it says, you want what you don't have. So you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want it. You only want, start right again. You want only what will give you pleasure. So in other words, me, the only thing that I actually want is something for me. And this is written 2,000 years ago, but it's exactly for our culture today. This describes people in our culture. I want what I want. And if I don't get it, what happens to a lot of people on their devotion to God? Well, I asked for this, and then two weeks later, it hasn't happened. And then, so what? My devotion has gone from 10. I was super excited last week, God. We had water baptism, and it was amazing. We had a great service. And Ellen sang my favorite song. And Pastor Brent uh, read one of my favorite scriptures. And so my devotion is 10 for 10. But here we are, a Sunday later, God, and you still haven't done this. And so my devotion is waning. I just want to let you know I loved you a lot last week, but this week I'm not so sure. What is James commenting about this attitude? Our motives are all wrong. And what is, what is the motive being discussed here? Selfishness. Me first. And we, we just have to know this is how culture is training us. But God says he doesn't want us to just be trained in selfishness. He wants us to be trained in godliness. That I'm going to be devout to God, that I'm giving my life to God, putting God first. And once again, this is where the joy of living comes in, because this other description and we know, we know from experience, I just want this for pleasure purposes. Now, now God is not wanting us to live sad lives. God gives us blessings. That's not what I'm saying, but he's talking about the motives of your heart. See, God doesn't care if we have things. He just just doesn't want things to have us. He doesn't want things to have a hold on our heart. That he's wanting us to be devoted to him, to have a Godward mind, to have a Godward attitude, to allow ourselves to be retrained, retrained. Let's read about uh, the early church. Acts chapter two, verse 42 says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So we see something here about the early church. What were they? They were devoted. What were they devoted to? To the apostles' teaching. And when we get teaching from the scripture, what is happening to us? We're getting adjusted. Does anyone go to the chiropractor? You know, one of the things that happens when you go to the chiropractor is you get realigned. And this is what teaching from the scripture does. God wants us to be aligned to his ways. And what was the early church? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. God, I want to know what you have to say about my life. Because your words are the best words. Your thoughts for me are the best thoughts that I could think. So I want to be devoted to your teaching. And then what does it say? And the fellowship of the breaking of bread. That just means hanging out with other believers. I'm going to be devoted to God. And then I'm going to be devoted to my fellow believers. Now we're going to talk about love next week. But we see these two things. Yeah, we're going to be devoted, God, to what you say. And then we're going to be devoted to the people that I know, the people that you have placed in my life. And then what is the last thing? Breaking of bread and prayers. Now, I'm not gonna go into a whole lengthy teaching on prayers, we did a series in August about prayer, but just this constant communion with God. That's what they were devoted to. They devoted to, God, what are you saying to me? Why? Because you want me to live a life with these other people. And then I'm going to spend my life being devoted to communion with you, hanging out with you, talking to you. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says the same thing. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Such a great description for prayer. You know, we were singing earlier about, okay, God gives us breath to breathe. And so many times with our prayers, we just start with, okay, I want this and I want this and here's when I want it. But if we would get thanking God, we actually, a lot of times would forget the things that we're actually going to ask for. We could be, get up and go, God, I thank you that I get to breathe today. Thank you for uh, the fact that my heart is beating and you have given me this wonderful life. And I get to live in Canada and be a Leafs fan. And for the rest of you that aren't, we'll pray for you, that you will see the light. But there's so many things to be thankful for. Paul said, be devoted to prayer. And what is the attitude of prayer? The attitude of prayer is thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving just shows a devotion to God. God, I thank you for this. I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my parents. I thank you for my church. Thank you for the city that I get to live in. And thank you for the car that I have. You don't have a car and you get to ride the bus. Thank God that we have public transit in our city. Thank you, God, for all of the things in my life. Why? Because I am devoted to you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain godliness that i'm devoted to god and from that i am going to find contentment listen if, if you're old enough in here you know that the, the gifts i hope you get all of the gifts that you want at christmas and for teenagers i hope you get any gaming system that you want if your parents can afford it another subject But you know that we're not going to get contentment from those things. They're just things. A couple years from now, they're going to be in the garbage. If we get clothes a couple years from now, we're going to give them to Salvation Army. Right? We're not going to get contentment from things. But where is it going to come from? From godliness. It's going to come from devotion to God. Knowing that my life is going to be found in God. That the salvation I have gives me contentment, what God's word says about me, that I am his son, that I'm his daughter, that he's given me promises. We read about that. Contentment is going to come from there. It's going to come from devotion to God. Not me first, me first, here's what I want when I want it. No, you're not going to find contentment that way. Contentment is going to come from our devotion to God, placing him first place in our lives. Galatians chapter 2. Paul's writing to the church of the Galatian region and he says this, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does it say? I'm crucified with Christ. Paul said this to the church of Corinth. I die daily. I'm dying to me first. I'm dying to my life is actually all about me. Know that it isn't actually. My life is actually for God and for others. That I would devote my life to God. And whatever gifts and talents and whatever ability that I have, I'm going to use that to love others. That we're going to talk about next week. But I'm, I'm, I'm dying. Dying in a good way. We celebrated that last week. When people got water baptized, what were they saying? Uh, it's not me anymore that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. That I've devoted my life to God. And the life that I'm living every day is sourced from the faith that I have in God. So what does that look like for us What does godliness look like? Acts chapter 22, Paul is recounting his salvation story and he's talking about a gentleman. He says this, and one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who live there. So what does it say about Ananias? He was a devout man. And what else? He was well spoken of by other people. Being devout to God... Doesn't make you bad in other areas. It actually makes you good in other areas. When well, we give our life to God, He empowers us in our families and on our jobs that we could be well spoken of. See, there's, a, there's enough uh, weird Christians out there. And you live a, a life devote to God, devoted to God, doesn't make you weird. It makes you better. And and like I've said, we've reached our quota of weird Christians in the body of Christ. We don't need any more. But what we need more of is guys and, and gals like Ananias who are well spoken of in their community. But they're also devout to God. They've given their life to God. But other people speak well of them. There's another guy in Acts chapter 10. Says this at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God and all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually. So, what does it say about Cornelius? He was devout. He had a Godward attitude. God was first place. In his heart and in his mind. But what is the outworking of that? A devout man who feared God. In other words, he had a reverence. He had an honor for God in his heart. With all his household. In other words, he was a family man. He loved his family. Well, he was Italian too, so that kind of helped because we know Italians are very family oriented. But he was a devout man and then all of his family. He wasn't devout and, and run to the mountains. He was devout, and all of his family also feared God. Uh, He gave alms generously. What does that look like? When I'm devout to God, I'm going to be a generous person. I'm not running to the hills putting on a brown robe. See, that wouldn't work for me anyway. I don't think brown is my best color. So I'm glad. You know, but how, how does it work out? How does godliness work out? Honors God, loves his family. It's generous. What's the last thing? Prayed continually. So all of these things make for a significant life. See, and this is what God wants for us. From this day to the day we go to be with the Lord, or Jesus returns. This is what God wants us to be famous for when we give our lives to him. That when we're a devout individual, that and we're, we're a godly individual, we can be well-spoken of. We can be generous. We can pray. We can love our families and friends. Let's just pray this morning. God, we, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that you are calling all of us to a higher level of godliness a higher level of devotion to you. Because Lord, that is what we were created for, to give our lives to you. And so God, we we pray that you help us to do that. That we can grow, that we can be trained or retrained by godliness. Because it makes a difference, Lord, in our life and the life to come. And we just thank you for that today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info@thecitychurch.ca.